Welcome to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, where your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak, help you go next level with your practice, leveraging the four pillars that make a practice bulletproof. Vision, building a dream team, marketing ninja, and financial freedom. Now, let's get into it. Today, I've got Craig Spodak with me. He's a a friend and a a wonderful uh, uh, dentist in the uh, uh, Delray Beach, Florida area. He's a dental director and founder of Spodak Dental Group. He's founded All Star Smiles and Foundation, uh, All Star Smile Foundation, which I want to talk a little bit about today. And uh, he's providing dental care uh, to children nationwide through that. Also, the co-host of the Bulletproof Dental Podcast, and they've got a summit coming up uh, here in the fall that you won't want to miss. Craig's a third-generation dentist. His goal is to deliver comprehensive dental care in a single 13,000-square-foot internally managed practice. I've been there numerous times. It's incredible. He created one of the world's only lead gold-certified dental facilities, and Craig has also become one of the top 1% providers of Invisalign. Spodak Dental Group was recently named one of the Inc. Magazine's 5,000 fastest growing businesses. It's awesome to have you on the, the show, Craig. Thanks for, thanks for having me, Chuck. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you, man. You bet. Well, today I want to talk about vision. The last time we, we talked about your book and, and we touched on this stuff a little bit, but I think this is so important. Dentistry is one of those heads down kind of businesses, literally, where you're, you're just, you've got your hands in somebody's mouth and you're just chair side. And we're taught you know, 200 plus hours of, of dentistry and maybe two hours of business, three hours of business uh, yeah. or anything connected to that. And how much of that is anything to do with vision about what I want out of this? It's just this giant assumption that if I get into business, if I get into dentistry and I, and I do well, somehow I'll be happy. Somehow this will all work out. And we really don't design our future. So I'm, I'm a fan of yours because you did that early on. And I want to talk about the value of knowing clearly where we want to end up and when. So I beat this drum all the time. You hear me say it. You get what you intend, not what you hope for. And then I talk about Freedom Doc and Hostage Doc. They start in the same place with the same opportunities, but 30 years later, they end up in very different places. One who's a hostage to their practice and dreads Monday mornings, and the other who is, has created a practice that creates freedom for them, the ability to choose. You intended from the very early stages, you were working with your dad. Tell us the story. You intended something very different from, your, from early in your career. You know, where, where did that germinate? How did it unfold? And just love to hear a little bit of your story on how in the early years, you, when you were working with your dad, you decided you wanted this crazy thing. Yeah, so it started out really early. Um, I never really, I'm a third generation dentist, as you mentioned, and I never really could envision myself being a dentist because my dad's practice, like when I was growing up was, you know, well, I, I grew up in the 80s, so, but it was a little bit even predated even when in the 80s, it was a little bit more like Brady Bunch style. And it was a very drab uh, environment, had the wood paneling on the walls and the split pea green carpet. And I could never understand. I figured that's dentistry. And then my dad did a remodel of his office, probably um, right around the time I left for college. And it it just looked a lot brighter and newer. And and I could, it just spawned an idea in me that dentistry could really be whatever you want it to be. And I had this idea of something that was really cool that I could, I could see it, that it was going to be something just totally different. And that just spawned my creativity. And then, um, you know, right around 
the time I was in college at American University in the, in the early 90s, Starbucks came around. I saw Starbucks doing some cool stuff about the way they're shifting retail. And as you know, Chuck, I always feel that dentistry is more akin to retail than healthcare. Yes. You're competing for discretionary dollars. And I just started to blend this idea that you could do something that's a slick, re- slick retail type thing for dentistry. And I got excited about it. It got me, got, you know, got my juices flowing. And um, in 2008, after I'd been working for my dad for quite some time and nothing was really changing, my mom worked the front desk and we had an appointment book and my mom thought computers were, were, the, were devil magic and we weren't allowed to have a computer. I just kind of envisioned this different thing. And I, I remember putting pen to paper. Um, a woman that was working uh, with me at the time named Michelle told me about this thing called a descriptive vision. And the descriptive vision is a retrospective vision that you write as if it's already happened. So I picked the day in the future and I wrote it as if it already came to pass. Like, I'm so proud that I walk up, pull up to my office and it was really descriptive, like colors, people, everything. And at the time I wrote it, I had like five employees and I had a drab little small office, but I wrote it as if it already had happened. And I had 35 employees and that I described the building that didn't exist. And um, it was really powerful and it was a really beautiful creative process. But what I think was most important about it, looking back anecdotally, or rather retrospectively, was that I described how it made me felt, how it made me feel. Because I think most people get into the, um, the problem of saying, you know, I want a beach house and I want a, you know, a Cadillac and mm-hmm. it's all going to be this. But they don't talk about what that's going to make them feel because then they wind up getting that shit and then they don't feel any different. Yeah. So one thing that I noticed recently, you know, as I've done more work is my descript- my descriptive vision I wrote in 2008 talks about how I feel. So it's like, mm-hmm. I have this and it makes me feel great because of this. Yeah. So a lot of fulfillment was baked into that. And that's why I think um, it was like this kind of North Star for me, this guiding light that got me through the tough times. And actually, I just recently redid one uh, very right. recently to kind of to, for another three years. Well, hold on to that one because I want to ask you about that one later. Sure. Uh, because I know you're a visionary, you're never done. But that, uh, that's, you might have said that before, but I've not heard that before about the emotional side of it. Yeah. And that's really important. Too often, even if we do create a vision for ourselves, it's a vision like, I want my office to make X uh, revenue with X profit in X location with X number of patients. And there's nothing about it that's gripping. It's just this factual uh, view of the future that's not going to connect with us. We're not going to connect with it. It's when we actually see the benefit to us and that emotional satisfaction that comes to us as a result. That's when we get gripped by stuff. Yeah. So even just, I have it up here and just to pull, I won't take up time, but I will read a sentence or two. It starts off with, even though I've driven up to the building so many times, it always inspires me when I see the place where I work. That's the first sentence. And then maybe three or four sentences down, it says, a smile comes to my face as I think about how the thousands of people who drive past their building every day must wonder what type of magic goes inside, goes on inside of Delray Beach's first certified green building. So there's a lot of like emotions around it. It wasn't process. And I think that's what brought me to a lot of years of fulfillment and, and, and guidance. And like everything else, that sat up on a shelf for a while, maybe longer than it should. And they didn't do version two, three, and four. And you, you say you get what you uh, intend and not what you hope for. Yeah. A descriptive vision written in 2008 can take you pretty far, but it can't take you to 2018. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. there's, there's always the what's next. And when you focus on goals, 
when you get to them, it's like, that's cool. What's next? And um, I think it's important to keep that alive. So. Well, I think you've illustrated incredibly well the, the simple difference between hostage doc and freedom doc. Hostage doc does not design his or her future. They just jump in and anticipate that if they build a practice, something good will happen. Well, that's hope. And you don't get what you hope for. You have to be intentional. Uh, it's, it's a very intentional thing to write that vision and to say, here's what it's supposed to look like for me. And here's how it's going to look for me, like for me. There's not enough of that. And, and I, I've, I've had to ask myself, why is it that so many people have, have such short visions? Uh, Simon Sinek has talked about this uh, uh, a lot of times. It's, it, it, may be, it might not be hard for someone to write a vision, but sticking to it is really tough. And the whole, the, the whole idea is that, that uh, I think we're, we're short-term decision makers. Simon Sinek says there's an epidemic of short-term decision making. I think it's been there all along. I think that's just human nature is to think about how do I kill a mastodon and eat it now? You know, it's not yeah. about what does my house look like later? So I think it's built into the way we live. And as a result, we wake up 10 or 15 or 20 years later in our practice and wonder how in the world did I get here I'm the same place I was yeah. 20 years ago. So well, there's it's tons John of, Lennon. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. That's right. So there's yeah. tons of, it's a great way to put it. There are tons of distractions along the way that could wear us down. Right. I'd love to, uh, to hear about some of the major lessons you've learned along the way about keeping focused, uh, building your practice around your vision, how you might have gotten uh, sidetracked and, and just uh, shorten that journey for the rest of us. Wow. I guess in hindsight, I'm learning as you're speaking, or I'm, I'm really thinking about it critically now that we're talking about it. Um, in many ways, uh, the astronauts that landed on the moon, the original crew, you, we know what happened to them, you know, <laughs> alcoholics and all that stuff. Cause like you land on the fricking moon, you're 28 years old. Not Where do you go from there? Yeah. So I, I think I had a little bit of the lunar landing syndrome happen to me. I got here and just the fact that I made it was such a crazy thing like that, you know, that I made it cause it was really a pretty large risk. Um, that I land on the other side, that I grab the that I grab the cliff with my fingernails and pull myself up. Um, that I that I tur turn my focus off of like okay, what's next for a little while. So that unintentionality I think gave me some some looseness about where I've gone uh, since moving here. But uh, you know I think the most important thing is uh, focusing on uh, fulfillment versus achievement because we've all bought into this universal idea that achievement and fulfillment are related to each other and they're intimately related. If I get this and I'll feel that, and that sets us off for a lot of disappointment. Um, Hollywood is filled with examples of that. People that are starving to just get to their first um, acting gig and they get it and then they wind up uh, extremely depressed on drugs or offing themselves. Yeah. So achievement and fulfillment are not always related. So maybe focusing on fulfillment first, because I get a lot of dentists say, I want what you have, and I say why, and that just floors them, you know, or uh, the normal answer is, well, I want to have 10 offices, well, why, because then I'm going to sell them and drink champagne, well, then for how long, uh, I right. don't know, I haven't thought about that, I literally had a dentist say that to me, like, I'm just going to, I'll go on, what do you mean, why, I'll have $20 million, I'll get in a boat and drink champagne, how long are you going to do that for? You know, there's an old Carpenter's song. I don't even know what the name of it is, but it just popped into my head. A line from this crazy song from the 70s, it says, pretty much, the joy is not in the acquisition, but in the pursuit. Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down 
our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true to form, unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast. We talk about our victories and our bruises, and it's 132 pages of vision, leadership, marketing, and even just life as a dentist, and it's meant to entertain you. So we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on Amazon today. Thanks, friends. Yeah. So I guess that's the point. Keep pursuing. Yeah. So, you know, as long as you have goals that are more related to feelings and not stuff and goalposts, I think that's a definition of uh, long-term happiness and progress equals happiness. As long as we're progressing and growing, um, we're doing, we're doing well. And, um, you know, it's all about what you want. My advice, you know, I know I'm getting all tangential here, but I, I got it. I speak from my own experience. And uh, one of my doctors recently left, um, Dr. Uh, Dr. Evan, who I think, you know, he moved out to um, Austin and total, you know, millennial, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the good, in the good way as well, you know, really living to work versus working to live. And here I am gunning, you know, for more and more and more advancing the practice. And he's like, man, I'm just going to unplug. I'm going to move to Austin. Love working with you. Love you. It's been great. And, but I'm going to go to Austin. I don't really ha- I don't have a job. I don't even have my license yet, but I'm going to like write poetry and like take my dog to the river. And I, I, you know, I don't know who has it right. So right. it's not one size fits all. My suggestion is as dentists, we're all clamoring to find out what each other's doing and to try to put on that vision for ourselves. Take a moment, get intentional about what you want to create. And this fear of like the FOMO, as it's called, fear of missing out, or what should I do? Or what's the best dental business model? That's all bullshit. It's what makes you happy. And as long as you're happy and fulfilled, even if you're happy and fulfilled working two days a week as an associate, that's great. Just know, know thyself. Know what you want. Because yeah. life's too short to live someone else's dream. And just, being, just like hearing Bold in her eye or some other dentist that's doing something different saying, oh, that's what I should be doing. That's a travesty. Like, don't, don't put on someone else's vision. Get, well, along, get, get intentional and do it yourself. Yeah, and it leads me to to think about the the three modes. I I I believe there's three modes that that human beings operate in. One is I'm running away from something. I'm running away from being an alcoholic. I'm running away from poverty. I'm running away from I've got all these bills to pay. I got all these staff I need to support. And so I'm I'm in practice basically running away every month from all this fear and all these things that have to get done. And that is not sustainable. We're running away from something is never sustainable. It will always suck you back in. When you say, I will never be an alcoholic like Uncle John, and you focused on not being an alcoholic, that's the best way to become an alcoholic because you're running right. away from it. Yeah. And then the second mode is to run towards something. That's where vision comes in. When we're running towards something, that is always sustainable. The third one <laughs> is the one that scares me the most. And I see this a lot in dentistry, and that is being in neutral. Yeah. I'm not running away, and I'm not running toward. I'm just showing up every day and yeah. going through the motions. Neutral and that one's default by, by the way, Chuck. Neutral will happen. Yeah. Neutral is uh, what absolutely. will happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, if, you, if you're, yeah, there's no way to, re- it's, it's the second law of thermo- thermodynamics. If you're not really pushing hard forward, yeah. then you will end up in neutral. Yeah. Uh, because running away is tiring and running towards something, you're not doing it. So I see that a lot. I think that's the importance of vision. You get what you intend. Be, what are you intending to run after? So when you ask people, why do you want what I want? And they're floored by that. That shows a, a neutral mode that scares the bejeebies out of me because it. Well, we've all, been, be 
Yeah, but we've all subscribed to this uh, American slash uh, Western philosophy. More, 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 more. It's going to be great. Like you say, make a little bit of money, get a house, the mortgage, make more money, trade that house in for the next house, make more money, house in an RV, house RV boat, house RV helicopter. It just doesn't matter. It never stops. It's a hedonic treadmill that we're all victims of. And Dennis, we make more money generally each year. So as long as we're making, you know, eight to 10% more per year, you know, we can spend 15 to 20% more and everything's going to work out. Right. <laughs> but it, it, it is, it is, it does take some intentionality and the default is to go to neutral and to believe that more and more and more is going to be better, better, better. And, um, like it's just, it's just learning. Um, it's all, it's all learning. Well, I think it goes back to your achievement versus fulfillment thing as well. Too often we're, we're, we're achieving. And once we've achieved, like we said, the pursuit, the, the, the joy is not in the acquisition. Okay, I have a 3,000-square-foot house. Now what? Well, yeah. I guess I'll go get a 5,000-square-foot house. Holy crap, I need to make more money. And then you do that. Well, I got a 5,000. Well, let me buy a boat. Holy crap, yeah. I need to make more money. And it's this, this unending uh, filling of this, of this void in our lives because we really don't have anything that's fulfilling. All we can do is replace it with another achievement. I have a friend like that who, who uh, you know, I've, I had to tiptoe around this at times, but he's the, one of the most uh, achievement-oriented people I've ever met. I don't know that he's got much fulfillment. Yeah, I, I had, you know, and the other thing is, is we'll tend to screw ourselves up. And, and when we get deep into our own psychology of, you know, <laughs> thinking that you don't want what you have. And there's so much, there's so many layers to it. Being human is being freaking crazy. You got emotions about your emotions. I got emotions about your emotions about my emotions. It's just total <laughs> insanity. And we're all, we're all living uh, this human experience, which is somewhat insane, depending on the day and how you're, how you're, how reactive you are. But one of the things is that, you know, it's, does somebody else have it better? And I I was in California last week, like looking at these guys that are doing different things and like, wow, I could pull the plug and move to California. That'd be kind of cool. Like, and then I thought about like, then I'm like, you know, this would be great. It would be great to be in California. It'd be great to just like unplug myself from Florida and be in California. And then I really thought about it. Like, do I want that? Do I want to trade my life? And I put myself down in that mental, you know, that mental space of going down there. I'm like, I don't even want that. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. I mean, the greatest battle, the, the greatest learning is learning yourself. And what, what do they say? The, the, the spiritual journey is the 18 inches from your head to your heart, okay. getting out of your head and into your heart. This is the longest journey we'll ever have is those 18 inches. And as long as you're, in a space where you're trying to get better and you're trying to work on what really matters, I think you're get, and you have some intentionality around it, you're going to tend to be happier than those of us who are on autopilot, uh, just kind of just putzing along, just saying I should do what Bolden or Dr. Jones is doing or what my neighbor's doing. Well, so part of this uh, fulfillment side of this, Tell us about, about your nonprofit part of your vision and the things yeah. that have happened there with All Star Smiles. You created that with, uh, was it the Yankees guy, Gene, Gene Carlos Stanton? Was that who yeah. it was with? Yeah, John Carlos Stanton. Uh, so he was a Marlin at the time. We've always had a charitable focus. I can credit Dr. Dudley in our practice for that. Maybe eight years ago, she's like, uh, or seven years ago, she had us do a Habitat for Humanity build. And a bunch of us are on a roof smacking nails in. And the woman who we're building the house for had a ripping toothache. And I'm like, this is a gross misappropriation of our talents. Never mind, it's dangerous for dentists to be smacking nails on the roof. <laughs> uh, so we started out with a free dental day, you know, seven, eight years ago. 
and started doing philanthropy. I'm involved with Freedom Day USA, a charity give back to, um, um, sorry, uh, uh, veterans and their families. And then uh, John Carlo in 2014 got hit with a pitch, a 95 mile an hour fastball right to his teeth. And I fixed his teeth. He got sent here by his agent. And long story short, he, while he was waiting for his teeth to be milled, I showed him like who we are and what we're doing. And then he got that iconic $325 million sports contract, the largest contract in the history of sports. And he calls me up and says, Hey, I want to do a charity with you. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. So um, I felt that wasn't really, I was actually, I had been thinking about a non-for-profit, you know, I had written that in vision statements before. So it's kind of funny how that worked out. So now we have a 501c3. Our mission is to help eradicate children's decay. And uh, we're working hard on that. And John Carlo, if you go to his Instagram page, his bio contains the allstarsmiles.org um, page. If you're a dentist looking to get involved in that, we need your help. So allstarsmiles.org. And it's just been really fulfilling. And uh, what I've learned about pursuit of those um, um, fulfillment or uh, aspirations for, I guess, righteous, righteousness, like if, you, if you look at it that way, is you've got to be aligned. Um, we all want to stand out in front. I think that's a good instinct that we want to be recognized for our, our efforts. But I also believe that you have to have the right reasons for doing it. Like I know it feels good to see our name acknowledged. We all have that in us, you know, even, um, even the, the first cry of a baby is a cry for significance, you know, Hey, I'm here, I'm alive. So I think we all have that innate aspect to be significant, but also keeping in mind that it's in service to other people and not to be self-righteous, but to do it even when no one's looking. And I, I struggle with that sometimes too. My goal is I have some amazing friends that are doing amazing things and no one even knows that they're doing them. And that's pretty badass. When you're at the point where you're doing badass stuff to help humanity and you don't have to tell anybody, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, University of Virginia, of Virginia has this secret society, the seven or something like that. And it's basically that kind of stuff. You don't even know who's part of the, the yeah. seven and they're the part of the seven their whole life or whatever that thing's called. It's the same yeah. thing. And, they, and they, they get voted in basically because they're people who are doing things that nobody's noticing. And yeah, and funny enough, by the way, that's how I got linked to the charity for John Carlo. So after I fixed John Carlo's teeth, like the, his dental injury was making all the papers. Like John Carlo has massive dental injury. And I was like, oh, I want to like, put the picture out, like promote that I did it. I didn't do it because I want to respect his privacy. And I didn't want to say like, Hey man, is it okay if I post my picture of you? But they were watching me unbeknownst to me. They were watching me. And when they called me six months after I fixed him and he got the contract, they said, the reason why he feels comfortable with you is because you didn't violate. We've been watching you. Yeah. They said to me, his agent said to me, um, you got to think of John Carlo. It's a $325 million contract, but he's like a $325 million business, a corporation. Yes. And we watch for these things. And the fact that you didn't exploit him or violate the trust is the reason why um, we were so uh, willing to do it with you. So it's kind of came full circle that don't promote. But. That's awesome. Well, I, I, in this vision thing, I just want to make sure that, that the docs who are listening understand that we're not saying you have to become the business guy. We're also not saying you have to be stuck in the chair. What we're saying is, what is it that would get you excited? And yeah. it could be a combination of both. You know, do you want to be in the chair? Do you want to be out of the chair? Do you want to be, you know, you do a little bit of both. And I just want people to understand, this is about figuring out what is the highest and best use of your time? What really would get you to run to the practice on Monday mornings? Get that stuff figured out and then figure out how to offload the rest of it to somebody else. That's part of a great vision. All right, yeah, so and, and, if you, and if you're fueled by it, 
you can turn an energy consuming behavior into an energy creating behavior. I was around um, the guy that founded Start the Starkey Foundation um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was at the Starkey Gala um, up in Minneapolis, and the guy, um, God, I'm forgetting his name now, Bill. Uh, um, oh, it'll come to me in a minute. But anyway, the guy that founded it, he's in his seventies, and he goes to Uganda and all these different places, remote places, and gives people the gift of hearing, fits them with a hearing aid, and you turn on the hearing aid for the first time. These are, you know, five-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 50, 60, 80-year-olds are hearing for the first time, and immediately it's a universal reaction of wonderment and, and tears, and it's so beautiful, and this guy will not stop. He will not take a break for lunch. He will not take a break for breakfast. I mean, he will just go. And that's a guy that's in his flow, in his flow state. He's doing what's principled and what makes him happy, and it's not work. So, you know, I, I remember meeting a guy at your, one of your summits, um, and he had one practice that made money, and it felt okay for him, but it was really like work. And then another practice where he was in a remote rural area and oftentimes doing dentistry on farmers, and they were just giving him what he wanted or what they could give him, like chickens and eggs and crap like that. Yeah. And his drive to the rural place gave him all the energy. And I'm like, you know, lose the damn, lose the profitable. I mean, like do, you know, do, do, do what makes you happy. And oftentimes what makes you happiest will give you the most amount. And of you'll people. figure out how to make money doing that. If you're yeah. doing what he's doing. This sure. Yeah. When you're, when you're, when you're, uh, when your passion is your profession, it somehow seems to work out. People detect that, Yep. you know, well, we're out of time, but I want to, I, you're a visionary and visionaries are never done. So I'd love to hear what's the next big thing you're tackling real quickly. Um, what's the next big thing I'm tackling? It was really, it was really, um, you know, one thing I do, a couple takeaways, I handwrite it because there's an act of handwriting versus typing. You know, there's something that happens in your, in your brain, your particular systematic learning. Um, basically it's, um, it's, it's, it's a big pat on the back. Uh, my future self in three years is giving himself a big pat on the back. Um, that I realized that all the challenges that I've gone through have been for my growth. And although things didn't, don't, didn't make sense at this particular point, they all worked out. So it's a little spiritual on that. I, you know, God kind of gave me what I needed to, um, to, get, to, to, to get what I needed to get. And then it's, it's, there's a lot of metrics in there about profit and shifting the business and things about my relationships uh, with my wife and my children and how they feel. Um, you know, my health, it talks about what type of physical condition I'm in very physically, my weight, my body fat, my flexibility. Um, it really just goes into deep, deep portions of every part of my, uh, my life. Um, awesome. you know, and only really the first page is uh, about the practice itself. Um, but there is some intentional stuff about the practice, shrinking the practice, funny enough shrinking the amount of business volume that we do, shrinking the amount of employees we have. You know, I've been, sucked, I've been sucked into this idea of the, everybody loves talking about their gross. You ask their dentist what, what their gross is. Everybody knows they're gross. Oh, we do a million dollars a year. What do you take home? They don't, no one knows that one. Right. So everybody is, yeah. you know, when you get up, you know, and I was talking to a friend of mine that didn't want to be part of YPO. He got invited to YPO. because like, these people are all talking about their $40 million businesses, but they can't afford to like, you know, you know, buy their house. Right. So it's just this intentionality more on profitability and maybe lesser or fewer interactions, um, lesser, lesser amounts of people and going deeper uh, into um, diagnosis and less patient visits and stuff like that. It's just at the end of the day, we're just experiment. We're always just experimenting. No one has yep. a crystal ball. 
But I think the important thing there is you get what you intend, not what you hope for. Craig, it's been a joy to have you on today. Uh, real quickly, tell people how they can connect with your, uh, your summit coming up and, uh, and with uh, all of that stuff. Yeah, so the summit, thanks for mentioning that, Chuck. We got a summit October 12th through 15th in, uh, in Atlanta at the St. Regis, the beautiful St. Regis over there. Um, it's really cool. It's Pete Bolden and I, the, the guy that I wrote the book, the Bulletproof Dental Practice book and the podcast with. Um, we have 70 attendees. That's for doctors and their um, highly motivated team members that treat the business like their own. And uh, we're just about sold out. So I think there's about 15 more spots. And if you want to get on that, it's the bulletproofdentalpractice.com. By the time this airs, it won't be 15. So you better hurry. Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's that URL again? bulletproofdentalpractice.com or you can just google bulletproofdentalpractice.com and uh, register for that we're leaving it all on the table this is not something that you go to and then sign up for other stuff it's just everything we've learned in the combined 36 years of getting our butts kicked in practice and all the highs and lows and giving it all back on the table so look very forward to cool that. well uh, i know people will get a lot out of it docs will uh, will uh, have their practices transformed so we're excited about promoting that for you craig it's been a joy to have you on today my friend let's keep going yeah, always, Chuck. I appreciate you and all the things you brought to my life and my practice and for dentistry as a whole. So thank you, Chuck. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Check out BulletproofDentalPractice.com for video interviews and text BULLETPROOF to 345-345 to stay connected to us for special announcements. Have a great day.